Sports Pan lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along this Wednesday afternoon. Guest in studio with me is Tyree Smith, sports guy over at ABC10. What's going on, Tyree? Not much, man. How you doing today? I'm good, man. It's a beautiful day outside, so I can't be too bad. It is a little bit windy. You see, we don't really get that in Florida, so I'm okay with the wind. <laughs> I'm definitely okay with the wind. Last night, okay, I come in here, and you know what? I like coming to this job. Mm -hmm. I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. But when I'm done here in about an hour, it is nap time because I'm exhausted. (laughs) It started last night because the Minnesota Twins went to 12 innings, and I was determined to stay up for it. They were down in extras twice, came back and walked it off via hit-by-pitch. So, go figure. Mm. And I tell you what, the Twins, you know, they've won 92 games this year. They're on their way to winning that division. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. They're the only one of my teams that I've truly loved as long as I can remember. Like, I'm passionate about the Penguins. I'm passionate about Notre Dame. I'm Mm -hmm. passionate about the Celtics. But I grew up, and the more I learned about sports, I had reasons for being passionate about all those teams. Like, there was something that drew me in. It's not that there isn't anything with that about the Twins. It's just that that's not the reason that happened for me. I just have always loved them since I can have a memory of, you know, <laughs> since I've had memory. <laughs> well, okay, I can give you this one. This year, you, it's okay to love the Twins as much as you do. The other teams, we can have a nice discussion. Except Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they're doing pretty okay right I now. I love the Twins even when they lost 103 games back in 2016. I love them that much. Ooh. And that's why it's so much fun that I would stay up for a 12-inning game and exhaust myself knowing I have to be at work early just because I have so much love for that team. So that's what kept me up for the first part of last night. Loyalty. Girls love it. The loyalty, man. (laughs) (laughs) The second part of why I'm tired is because of the wind. Getting back to the unusually uh, strong wind today. Mm -hmm. I woke up around 4 or 5 a.m. I was hearing some banging going on at my place, like this weird noise. It was a repeated banging happen over and over. Mm-hmm. I had left my living room windows open. I like having a little bit of a breeze going through. Okay, and fair. the wind was so strong, it was banging one of the doors in my place, like against the side of the wall over and over. Really? And I was terrified until I realized that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you got to close the windows at night, Tanner. <laughs> oh, good. man. I don't like sleeping with the windows open in the room that I'm sleeping in, which is weird, but it's how I am. That's that is weird. I like having a little bit of a breeze, but not a direct breeze. Okay, you got to just have a bunch of fans, man. <laughs> if you want to protect yourself from waking up at four or five a.m., you got to have a bunch of fans. I didn't think the wind was going to be strong enough to move a door and keep banging it into a sidewall. That's fair. I'm um, realizing a lot of stuff about the UP more and more every day, so that's not too much of a surprise. <laughs> hey, just wait till your first snowfall here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm gonna pack my bags in. First snow last year came October fifth. So October, less than, less than three weeks from now. Mm, yeah, I'm already telling <laughs> telling my landlord. I'll see you soon. <laughs> oh, we got a lot to get to today over the course of the next hour or so. Well, here's what I tried to do for today's show. I tried to get the city to rename Front Street, where we're located, our studios here on Front Street, to Wall Street just for the day to tie in with one of our segments, and they said no. Yep. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> but we're gonna bring Wall Street to Front Street anyway. We are going to take a look at the NFL quarterbacks two weeks in. Whose stock is up? Whose is down? Who do you buy low and sell high on? I was making moves in our fantasy league today. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Big Carson for uh, Deshaun Watson, I believe. Should I have made that move? Okay, Chris Carson, he's a... Uh, he's a pretty good fantasy back. He is and a good like, fantasy back. Who was, your, who was your quarterback before Deshaun? Baker Mayfield. I was sick of him. Mm, okay, yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Because you know, here's the deal. I made a trade with John Michael Hofling, the other sports guy at ABC10, earlier today. Mm-hmm. It was a one-for-one. I got Deshaun Watson to replace Baker Mayfield. He got Chris Carson. I thought I could make that move because I have three really good running backs. My number one is Alvin Kamara. Carson was my two. Mm-hmm. And I figure I've got Marlon Mack, who's not as good as Carson, but he's still pretty good, sitting on my bench. I figure he can take the number two role fine. And I think Watson's a big upgrade over Mayfield. That's fair. Okay. Watson's always going to get you points because yeah. he uses his arm, he uses his legs. But Marlon Mack, he's actually pretty good. Not he's, too bad. He's top, uh, top six in rushing yards right now mm-hmm. in the league, I believe. So, yeah, he's doing pretty well. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah, he was sitting on my bench, so I'm okay with making this move. I know. You know, we play each other this week. Well, do we? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Oh, man. I don't know if Marquise Brown's going to do too well against. Well, actually, they played the Chiefs. Chiefs defense, yeah. yeah. I just picked up Hollywood Brown in a different league. Okay, yeah. So he might be okay unless Tyron Matthew covers him well. But we're going to see about that. Now I'm looking to unload a tight end because I've got three really good tight ends, and I'm playing two of them right now. I've got Kelsey in the actual tight end spot. Okay. Greg Olson in the flex. Okay. And then I've got Jason Witten sitting on the bench. He's looked pretty good the first couple of weeks back. Okay, yeah, actually he has. Mm-hmm. He, he he doesn't have any moves. No. He, he doesn't have any moves, but he'll catch the ball and, and lean forward for about a good four yards. That's all he needs to do. That's really all he needs to do. And he's good net. for, what, two touchdowns in two games? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's consistent enough. That's fair. Your tight ends are better than mine. Well, yeah, I have Darren Waller off the Oakland Raiders. Okay. You know, new, new guy. People haven't heard of him yet, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then got Vance McDonald, who mm-hmm. did have 22 points last week. He did. Exactly. And Mason Rudolph is going to be looking to him a lot now so might have to start him well, I tell you what, we are going to play Wall Street with NFL quarterbacks coming up throughout the hour. Plus, we'll take a look at the best rivalries in college football, maybe a little basketball. I've got some LeVar Ball audio. I know ESPN doesn't like us to talk about him, but he said something really stupid, and I'm going to play it for us. Uh, plus, we're going to take a look at Pick'em, because week two is in the books, and nobody really did well. Ooh, that's going to be a tough <laughs> one. Oh, man. Here are the standings after two weeks. Jake Duran actually is leading. He's 7-3. and three. I'm 5-5. Five and five. You and Ryan are both four and six and mike is three and seven i'm below 500 wow <laughs> sounds like my college days again wow so here are the games that we're picking this week we have the thursday night game tomorrow we've got tennessee at jacksonville i'm not quite ready to go on the record i'm waiting to see if jalen ramsey gets traded because if he's still with jacksonville by tomorrow i think they have a chance okay so if jalen ramsey plays i'm gonna go with jacksonville Really? Mm. I don't know. I think Marcus Mariota is doing something good with Tennessee right now. i got to go with Tennessee. All right. All right. We're split on that one. How about this barn burner? New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Huh? <laughs> You're picking the upset? Mm, I, I am an underdog. I love to pick the underdogs. But that's a big, <laughs> that's a big underdog. That's like a Rottweiler to Chihuahua. We gonna go New England Patriots. You know, and I want to clarify that I didn't pick that game for Pickham. The formula, and I'm sticking to it, has been the three primetime games every week. Three okay. of the five games that we pick will be the primetime games: Thursday, Sunday, Monday, mm-hmm. and then every Sunday we have two games here in ESPN UP. We have a one o'clock and a four o'clock game. Mm-hmm. If it was up to me. I would have picked, like, the Chiefs in Baltimore because that's the one I'm most excited to watch. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be airing the Jets and the Patriots here in ESPN-UP, and I'm sticking with the formula. All I'm right, stick all to right. my guns. Eng- New England, if they lose <laughs> this game somehow, um, I'm, I'm quitting ABC. <laughs> <laughs> the late game Sunday afternoon, we've got Houston at L.A. taking on the Chargers. That could be a fun one. Actually... <laughs> After coming off a of disappointment, it's disappointing for the Chargers, mm-hmm. not for the not for Detroit fans. So honestly, I kind of like Houston in this one. I do too. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with my new fantasy quarterback. I'm, I forgot. Already. And really, neither team looked good in Week Two. They both looked pretty good in Week One. Yeah, they did look good. I mean, but Week Two, Deshaun Watson. I don't even think he threw a touchdown. It was like thirteen to twelve yep. Jaguars. Like yep. it was barely anything. It wasn't a very good game. Yeah, he'll bounce back. Of course, of course. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> the Sunday night game, we've got the Rams in Cleveland taking on the Browns. Prime time again. That's the Sunday night game. That's the Sunday night game. 8-20. 8-20. We're going Browns. We're going Browns, all right. Yeah, we're going to go Browns. Listen, that's not that big of an underdog. but It is the underdog. It is definitely the underdog, but I believe in the Browns. I like that. I I'm like going that. with the Rams in this one. They've just looked like one of the best teams early on for me. I mean, if Drew Brees didn't go down, they would have lost. But <laughs> let's let's not talk about that one yet. So okay, we'll go. I'm gonna go Browns. You go Rams. All, all right. right, all right. Then the Monday night game, we've got Chicago at Washington. Not a lot of good primetime games this week. Mm, not really, but I say well, I stay Chicago. Chicago. I think won. Chicago. Yeah, neither Chicago team just is won. good, but the defense in Chicago is significantly better than it is in DC. Defense is top five in the league, so definitely I'm going Chicago. Well, I tell you what. Uh, that is Pick'em. We play it here every week in the Sports Pen, five games a week through all 17 weeks of the regular season. I have got some LeVar Ball audio for you. I know that we're not supposed to play a lot of him or talk about him a lot here on ESPN because of his uh, interaction with Molly Quirm Rose. Mm-hmm. So we're tentatively going to go through with it and see what happens. 
LeVar Ball got in a fight with his son, a verbal confrontation with his son, Lonzo, Mm -hmm. over Big Bowler brand, which is literally falling apart. Not just the shoes, but the company is Mm -hmm. literally falling apart. It is rather lengthy. It's about a minute 40 or so, but there's a lot here to break down and digest. Mm -hmm. Would you change the name? I wouldn't change the name. I'm just saying from a marketing standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, regardless of what it is. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. I'm just asking a question. I'm just saying. Triple B is always going to be the name on the fact that it also stands for the three ball brothers. I'm not changing that at all. What is your opinion on that? I don't give a about his opinion. I just want to hear. But no, no, no. Listen to me, son. When I come out with a name and then somebody tell me to change it, that's like me telling me to change your name. That's like people saying, oh, hey, change Lonzo's name to Alfonso on the fact that he's been damaged goods for the last two years. The brain is not demolished. That's how you feel the brain is demolished. That's everybody feels. Who? Who's everybody? The world. The world? That's that's the consumers you talk to? Yeah. It's all messed up right now. Why is it messed up? Because one person did something bad? He was the main person. He wasn't the main person. He ran everything. He didn't run everything. That's my opinion. Who the one signing autographs? Who the one taking the pictures? He set it all up. That means you're running everything as far yes. as what? Who's the big baller brand? All right, you got it. Ain't no foster gear. It's big baller. Here's the thing. If you have a tree and a bad apple falls off the tree, you don't chop the tree down. He was more than an apple, though. He was a branch. Cut the branch. You don't cut the whole tree down. The tree did fall down, though. How did the tree fall down? Why are we restarting everything? How did the tree fall down? <laughs> I created before Alan even got here. I said the three ball brothers for you guys. I don't care who helped me get this started, but I come in with the vision, like, you know what? We're going to have our own brand. That's why I didn't go everybody else's way. All right, you got it. I didn't want me got it. You got it, man. No, this is- no first of all, don't, don't say you got it, man, to me. You're the one got to make it grow. I made you guys superstars for a reason. But if I don't do the things that I'm doing, Zell, it's just another regular old player. It's a lot to digest there. Um... <laughs> Wow, <laughs> calling his son damaged goods. Uh, that's the one that stuck out to me. Uh huh. Um, yeah, that brand's not gonna last too much longer. No, no. His kids are starting to turn on him now. Exactly. I think I've heard a report that they said um, the shoes were the reason Lonzo had a lot of injuries back in L.A. Could have been. Yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. The mm-hmm. shoes they. That's some regular shoes, man. They don't look like the best. That's they what... broke every quarter. Exactly. He had to order to a game. Exactly. He had to replace them all the time. So obviously there's a problem. I don't know. LeVar is an interesting man. Yeah, he is. Like, I respect him because how much he loves his son. But he needs to realize when it ain't working. It ain't working, man. You got to quit. You got to quit ahead. Oh, man. Saying he made his son superstars. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, his mouth definitely knows how to talk so no publicity is bad publicity yeah there's yeah truth to that, no, that there's some, there is truth to that but with LeVar Ball we gonna have to digest that one a little <laughs> bit longer oh man uh, Big Baller brand is starting to come apart at the scenes that audio courtesy of the Dan Lebitard show I don't know where they got it but this is almost taken like a reality show clip it's almost like a reality style show which mm-hmm. I'd watch that's like hard knocks but with the balls mm. <laughs> Listen, I actually I agree. It sounded like a reality show. Mm-hmm. I, don't they have a show? Don't they have they have a show? They, they might. Yeah, I I'm believe they sure. had a show. Um, something ball with the family, something like that. <laughs> yes, it was something like that, I believe. But so that's what it kind of sounded like. I was like, wow, they're getting intense. All right, we gonna see how this works. Tanner so. Hoops, Tyree Smith, with you. Glad to have you along this Wednesday afternoon. Let's take our first time out. We're gonna make it Wall Street up in here next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show. The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. Tyree Smith with you. Glad to have you along on ESPN-UP. I tell you what, we're going to make a Wall Street here on Front Street in the ESPN-UP studios. Uh, We are going to show you which quarterbacks two weeks into the season their stocks have gone up and who has seen their stock plummet. Some guys that we've expected, some guys' stocks would go up. First of all, let's put them this way. I was doing a ranking system the other day. I was watching football. All the injuries started to happen after this, so it screwed up whatever work I had done. Mm -hmm. But I was doing kind of a tier system and reordering where I thought a lot of these NFL quarterbacks landed to help me decide whose stock's going up, who's going down. The top three healthy quarterbacks going into this weekend are Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers, not necessarily in that order, 
but they've done nothing to hurt their stock, and they're doing about as well as we thought they would here early on. So I still like where those three are. Mm-hmm. When healthy, Breeze is part of that top four. Of course, I, of I wouldn't course. miss him. Yeah, come on, Doc. Chad, you know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> when healthy, once he's back in week nine, he'll be back up there as well. Yeah, he'll be fine. So then you look at that second-tier quarterbacks, and coming into the season, the top five was the four that I mentioned, plus Andrew Luck, and he's since gone. We've lost another member of the top five for at least half the season. So did any of the six to ten guys in my ranking survive? Well, I had Roethlisberger up there, not necessarily in the sixth spot. I don't know what to expect from him because even before he got hurt, he didn't look great. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The jury's still out on him. I had Cam Newton there, and his stock has plummeted. I mean, it, it, it oh, really yeah. Has. Sorry about that, Newton. Yeah, man, you're going down. I had Deshaun Watson in there, and I actually think I had him in at the number 10 spot. Okay. This weekend, though... You can make the case that he will be the fourth best quarterback that will start this weekend. His stock has really risen for me. Okay, so so you gotta take you gotta take Big Ben out of there. Yes, yeah. he's he's out for the season. Right, Cam Newton definitely got to get out he's of there out. until he tries to regain his MVP form. So okay, okay, I agree with that. See, here's what I'm thinking: if we're doing a top five based on quarterbacks who are just playing this weekend, who are active and healthy, mm-hmm. it's obviously Mahomes, Brady, Rogers at the top three spots, not mm-hmm. necessarily in that order. Four and five. Who would be the next two guys to move up, take that next step to another tier? For me, so far. I would say Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you had, if I had to put in, in four and five spots, honestly, I think I might go. Oh, it might be Jared Goff and Lamar Jackson right now. I was wondering how far I should put Lamar Jackson up there because I really like what I've seen so far. I'm all in on Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah, hundred percent. All in. Listen, he. I went. To, I, I went to middle school with him. He's a good. Is that friend. right? Yeah, he's a good friend. Uh, my mom taught my mom and my mom's friend taught him. So he's a good friend, hometown friend. Um, I. I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing from him this year. It was it was hard because everybody only saw that he could run last year, and he mm-hmm. was thrown in when Joe Flacco wasn't doing too hot, and he got him to the playoffs. So I always knew he could throw. He could throw at Louisville. He did throw mm-hmm. at Louisville. He did. Just had to get a little bit more used to the system, and now that he's used to the system, he's just standing in there dropping dimes. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna put him at um, I'm gonna put him at my number four spot definitely right now. He is by far the biggest mover on my list, or at least the biggest mover going up. Like mm-hmm. his stock has moved higher than any other quarterback in the NFL so far this year. Mm-hmm. And really, he hasn't given us any reason to doubt him. He went six and one last year, led a team that was floundering to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's looking really good in doing stuff no quarterback has ever done two games into this season. So I'm high on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, there's a case to be made up there for him being a top-five quarterback entering this weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt that. And then the other guy that you think about putting up there, he wasn't in my top ten. Phillip Rivers was the last one, by the way, and he's not a top-five guy yet for me. He's top seven, eight going into this weekend, something like that. I mean, he's not not looking as good as he was in the beginning of last year, in my opinion, no. But I think think you really do have to look at Jared Goff. You do. After signing that mega extension, he's he's kind of living up to it. Except that you know that fumble that could have been returned for a touchdown should have been. But you know he's looking good. He has he is looking how I guess we thought he would coming out of um, a Super Bowl year, basically. So the biggest knock against Jared Goff because he hasn't done a lot for us to doubt him either, other than his rookie season, which you know it's not uncommon for a rookie to struggle, mm-hmm. but he really since then hasn't done anything that should give us doubt, but we all think he's a system quarterback because he didn't succeed under Jeff Fisher. That's yes. the biggest argument. It's not in his actual gameplay over the last two years. Jeff Fisher also wasn't the best offensive <laughs> mind, in my opinion, and I think Sean McVay kind of fits this new style that we're starting mm-hmm. to see. Not saying Jared Goff is, you know, this hybrid mo- super mobile quarterback, but it's the way that they're running the offenses now. The type of receivers they're picking out of the drafts. Cooper Cups, um, Brandon Cooks is starting to merge the number one receiver, being on the outside despite how tall he is. Things of that sort. So Sean McVay is able to build around Jared Goff so you could say he's a system quarterback but he's he's exploring more of his strengths 
and decreasing the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say too much of a system. I think he he can succeed when there's targets around him because it's hard for any quarterback to succeed when there's not really targets. That that only goes to the great quarterbacks like Tom Brady and stuff. But he's he's making an argument for being the top quarterback and for being some of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, you can get knocked for having a good system around you, but as long as you succeed. That's all that matters. People say Tom Brady's a system quarterback. He just shows them the rings. I know. And and everybody classifies him as the GOAT. So, I mean, hey, can't really knock him too much. The other guy that I thought about putting in the top five, because he's really impressed me this year, is Dak Prescott. But I'm waiting for him to do it against a real defense. Okay. They, it's not going to happen this week. It will not happen they this week. They play the Dolphins. Um, wait until the week after. Mm-hmm. Wait till they play the Saints at at the Saints place. Because I feel like I owe Dak Prescott an apology, but I'm not ready to give it yet because he's got to do it against better defenses, not the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. Dolphins, <laughs> they don't really have a defense anymore. Mika Fitzpatrick's <laughs> now on the Steelers. All the guys, Xavier Ain, uh, Xavier Howard. I apologize. But, yeah, I agree. I think Dak, his, he's so focused on just working and not about the contracts and stuff like that that he was able to get better and he is definitely showing that he's got better not the first few drives of last week against the Redskins because he is my fantasy quarterback and I was looking I was like hey man I'm gonna need you to pick it up but he definitely knows he definitely has proven to be something that we didn't see here's a few guys that are starting to move in the right direction. They haven't moved a lot, and they're not really moving up my list, but they are starting to trend in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton has passed for about 780 yards in the first couple of weeks. He's actually, yeah, he's number two right now passing, which is very surprising. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Andy's like, Andy Dalton's just like there. <laughs> it's like him and Marcus Mariota, to me, are just there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of forgettable, but then, I mean, you forget their own two, but... Andy Dalton hasn't really thrown any much picks in the past two weeks, so he's doing pretty well, yeah. The other one that's slightly moving upwards, partly because he set the bar so low for himself, mm-hmm. is Jameis Winston. <laughs> this is his last year. I know. Like, it's his proving year. If he doesn't do something this year, then he's out. So, yeah, okay, he's kind of he did well against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. He definitely did. So that's something against him. That's a check. So, yeah, I see what you mean. He's proven a little bit. Can I say this one? Ooh. Garner Minshew. I like Tanner, him. Why? Why we got to do this? <laughs> I like Garner Minshew. It's one game. Two okay, games. one and a half games. If you want to count that, I mean, Nick Foles did throw that touchdown first. Okay, all right. I mean, we never. He's a rookie, so mm-hmm. we haven't really seen anything from him in past years besides college. Right. So I guess. Okay, I guess you could say he's looking good so far i like him if he would have beat the texans then we could talk <laughs> then we can have a nice conversation but that also wasn't his fault that was doug marone's play calling any other quarterbacks that are moving upwards that i left off my life i mean you could put stafford up there he hasn't <sighs> moved a lot but i think he's moved to stock up a little bit honest okay a, a little bit a little no bit. Let, let, we're gonna see we're gonna see when these next few weeks come around i i like kyler murray Okay. Yeah. I do like Kyler. That's a good one. He's, sh- I don't know what they're doing in the first three quarters, but they are not <laughs> playing good football. They need they need to figure that part out. But besides that, he's actually proven to, to be a pretty decent quarterback right now. You know, I heard a stat today that there are, I think, four active coaches that will have uh, multiple alumnus that they coached in college starting in the NFL this weekend. Mm. It's Mike Leach, because he'll have Garner Minshew and Luke Falk. Okay. Lincoln Riley. Nick Saban is another one up there. And the fourth one is Cliff Kingsbury. Patty Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. And the other one you put an asterisk next to is Baker Mayfield, because he did have him for one year at Texas Tech. If, okay, if you want to count. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, that's fair. Okay, when you think about it, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Leach up there. <laughs> Kingsbury's not as bad as people think. No, he's not. He's a great offensive mind. It's just we were going to see how it will translate to the NFL. And he has a loss and a tie. Mm -hmm. So he's not too bad. The team's actually looking okay. Mm -hmm. They could have beat the the Falcons, Ravens. They could have. They could have just... Ravens a little bit better on defense. You know what? It surprised me about Kingsbury because he was way too conservative in that game. Mm-hmm. I thought he lost it for himself because every time they got to the red zone, he wouldn't try anything risky. It was 
Just keep it on the ground, keep it simple, and kick a field goal. Because he thought, listen, David Johnson is really good in my mm-hmm. opinion. He is. That offensive line is not the best. <laughs> so when it's on the goal line and you have legendary Baltimore Ravens defense, who you know is known for defensive lines and linebackers, that's not going to work. Cliff, you got to throw it. You got to give it to the hot hand. Christian Kirk has been doing very yeah, well. Yes. He's starting to emerge in his second year. I like him. I just picked him up in fantasy, actually. Where would you put Carson Wentz? Has his stock gone up, down, or stayed the same? I can't tell, to be honest with you, because Sunday night was such a weird game. You didn't have anybody to throw to besides Nelson Aguilar. I don't know what it is, but I don't. Eagles really get a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Like, they seem to get a lot of injuries a lot. I heard they canceled practice, um, I think it was today or yesterday, because they had too many injured players. And I was like, okay, I can't really say anything about Carson. It's not his fault. That's not his fault. He's staying healthy right. for the first time, kind of. So, I'll, 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 I'm not going to say anything about Carson yet. Jimmy Garoppolo's stock went down in week one, and it went back up in week two. So, he's probably about even right now. It's it's weird that you say that, even though they scored like forty points in week one. <laughs> but they, yeah, they he's um he's on the right track to be proven for his like five year, one hundred and fifty million dollar mm-hmm. contract, something like that. He's starting to be on the right track. If he if he gets hurt, let's God forbid that happens. Sorry, Michael, don't want your 49ers to lose. But if they if he gets hurt, that's going to be a big problem because right now they're two and zero. Right, they're looking good, mm-hmm. which is very surprising that running back that running back by committee is really working for him how about quarterbacks that are trending down here before we go to break the biggest fallers here in the first couple of weeks cousins trubisky newton manning am i missing anybody you threw manning in there i kind of already knew that was gonna happen i knew it was coming <laughs> i kind of knew that was happening i can't say sam darnold because he's sick with mono yeah um mm, fitzpatrick I, guess. I think we all knew this was going to happen. <laughs> there know. we go. Exactly. We oh, got to do that I, one. I forgot one, one guy who's trending up, Josh Allen. He is. He hasn't looked too bad the first They're 2-0. Oh. They are 2-0. Oh. That's that's insane. The <laughs> Buffalo Bills are 2-0. Oh. Like, what? Okay, I guess. He had such a bad first half against the Jets. In his last six quarters, he's been a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. You know, Dan Callahan or ABC, he picked, he has Josh Allen as his quarterback <laughs> right now. And me and Michael are looking at him with the side eye like, ah, don't know about that. But he's also 2-0 and doing kind of well. So, yeah, Josh Allen's stock has gone up in my opinion as well. How about Matt Ryan? I'm not sure about him. I'm tending to lean that his is going slightly down. Right now it's slightly down. Okay, yeah, they won. Yeah. But, like. It wasn't really because of him. It's no. because of Julio's insane grab and, mm-hmm. and long touchdown. It's not really him. He's not. He's. I don't know what it is. I think he's. Try, he's just not in his form right now. No. Then no. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what Dan Quinn's doing over there. But he needs to do what he did the past two years with Matt Ryan. I can't wait to see what Daniel Jones is made of and if his stock goes up or down. He is the starting quarterback. I forgot he about that. He is the starting quarterback, and I tell you what. I think he's being thrown to the wolves right now. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Agreed. Let's, let's face it. Eli's best days were behind him, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But the Giants are not going to win more games by switching quarterbacks. Their problems go far beyond the quarterback position. Daniel I, Jones oh, is being thrown to the wolves, and I worry for him. I think, oh, you have a right to worry for him, yeah. definitely. I think if he can if he can figure out the offense, I mean, he looked really good in preseason. So he definitely looked good in preseason. Mm-hmm. But if you can... If he can get the system right right away, if he can flow with the chemistry of the receivers, if Sterling Shepard can stay healthy, please, uh, I think he could. I think they could win some games. I mean, they're zero and two right now, but I mean, it's only week. It's going to be week three now. It's not going to really matter too much. I tell you what, Baker Mayfield's another guy that I'm leaning towards slightly down. And I don't know that that's his fault, to be honest with you. The Browns just haven't looked good the first couple of weeks. They're averaging about eighteen points or so a game Mm -hmm. but i feel like it's more on freddie kitchens for changing the system why are they coming out in a different system than what worked for him last year last year it was ground and pound maybe because they don't have the running back depth like they did without duke johnson Mm -hmm. but this year it's a lot of shotgun it's a lot of 
spreading out the field. They used their tight end so well last year. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that enough so far this year. Njoku's not being used as well. No. Like, I don't like that at all. I think that he also needs to use Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. a lot more. I get we, they got Odell. I understand. One of the best receivers in the game. But don't forget about Jarvis Landry. Right. Now. He signed a nice contract with them because he's very efficient. And I think they're not, they're not utilizing the the offensive celebrities, I'm going to say, that they actually have. If they do that, I think they could be okay. But when Kareem Hunt comes back in, what is it, week nine? Something week like eight, that. Yeah, week eight, week nine. That running back depth will be a lot better. Because Kareem, he, he played in preseason. Yeah. He did play in preseason. He looked good. He did. So that's why I'm not too worried. Honestly, hot take right now. Uh, Browns make the playoffs. Think so? Yeah. As a wild card or division winner? Division winner. No. 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 Baltimore's got that one. Yeah, exactly. So, a wild card, definitely. How about Jacoby Brissett? Because I feel like he's kind of holding par, given the situation. We didn't expect a lot from him. No, he's good enough for what for right now. Right. He's Of course, he's going to grow, but I mean, if you think back to like training camp and stuff, he wasn't taking reps with the first right. team. Like, he didn't know this was going to happen. He didn't know Andrew Luck was going to grab his bags and say peace out. So, I mean, it's not his fault. So, he's doing the best that he can right now. He's also signed a three-year extension, which is giving a little more money and motivation in his pocket to do better. So, I think a few more weeks go down, getting more in with the offense, Get more chemistry. T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, they'll be perfectly fine. Tanner Hoops, Tyree Smith with you. We are hitting our next break. I know you got stuff to do, but we didn't get to our college football rivalry. Can you hang for one more segment? Oh, yeah. Of All course. right. Come on now. All right. We're going to break down the best college sports rivalries next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen. Tanner Hoops, Tyree Smith with you. Here's your Sports Center update. San Francisco Giants rookie Mike Yastrzemski, grandson of Red Sox legend Carl Yastrzemski, played his first ever game at Fenway last night and started in the same left field that his grandfather patrolled for two decades. The younger Yastrzemski later homered. His grandpa was in attendance. Blue Jays utility man Kevin Biggio hit for the cycle last night as Toronto topped Baltimore 8-5. Biggio and his father Craig are just the second father-son duo to hit for the cycle in Major League history. The only other combo to accomplish the feat was Gary and Daryl Ward, who I'm not even going to pretend that I had ever heard of before. <laughs> I want to know, who are the stats guys over here? How do they get finding out these stats? Who are the faceless people at Elias Sports Bureau that are able to work this up? That's what I need to know. I need to talk to them. I need to give them a handshake and tell them, good job. <laughs> I appreciate your Elias sports guys because I would have never guessed. I guess the Griffies. I thought it would have been the Griffies, the Bonds, the Alus, one of those families. No, but I never, I never heard of this one that they mentioned. I was like, what? I was like, okay. <laughs> the father had a negative career war of zero point four, negative zero point four, and he had I think five hundred eighty-eight career hits for one magical night in nineteen eighty. <laughs> I wasn't even thought of yet. So. <laughs> And finally, this Sunday will be just the second time in NFL history that both New York franchises' quarterbacks will make their first career start in the same week. Daniel Jones gets the nod for the Giants. Luke Falk will start for the Jets. The only other time this happened was 1987. The Jets started David Norrie, and the Giants turned to Jim Crochikia. I remember those names. Do you? They uh, A little bit. I did a little bit of uh, New York football history. They're okay. okay. They... And whatever. I mean, they wanted anything. But I mean, if you look at the quarter, these two quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for him. Mm-hmm. And Lou Falk, I loved him at Washington State. He was so much fun there. He was such a good quarterback. If people don't understand, Washington State is an air raid offense. Mm-hmm. That means you know how to throw. So I, I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna be fine. Lou Falk's gonna be fine. They signed his backup, and it's appropriate that he's named David Fails. That's the backup? That's the backup. All right. Well, wow. Miami Dolphin. Oh, really? Under Adam Gase there, so he rejoins his old head coach. Adam, do something. Come on, man. You got to <laughs> Listen, his demeanor on the press is so bad. Oh my goodness. He I need him to smile sometimes, but hopefully he's smiling this week if they win. You never know. We know they're not. Ah, they're yeah, Patriots. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> So you have Falcon Fails, which, if you say it quickly enough, sounds like something we can't say on air, but it perfectly describes the New York Jets and their quarterback situation right now. Basically. 
I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Tyree Smith with you. We were talking about the greatest college sports rivalries. We're focusing on football. We can get into a little bit of basketball, too. But I tell you what, you think of some of the greatest rivalries in football, who comes to mind? Who are some of the most storied rivalries? Michigan-Ohio State. That's the one that I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners are thinking of. USC-Texas. Is that? It's a it's a pretty because it was because of the championship. It, it was such an iconic game, but I don't mm-hmm. know if they play uh, often enough. No, but when they do play, it's definitely big. It's At least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Um, of course, Alabama Auburn. Okay. Yep. The Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. Yep. Um, Miami, Florida State. Back then, when there was um. When it was, I forgot what they called Miami, but when Miami was hot back when they were really good, it was, was it Miami. the one Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. There so we that go. Was basically, an NFL team. Uh huh. Basically, yeah, they definitely could have. <laughs> they definitely could have been categorized as one. Um, I think ooh, that's kind of the t- that's the tip of my head right now. That's coming to me. Um, yeah, right now that's kind of what's coming to me. A lot of our listeners will say Sparty against Michigan, although I don't. I wouldn't say that's a top five rivalry nationally. Not top ten top at five. best, maybe. Not top five, but definitely, yeah, okay. It's weird where you have an out-of-state opponent as a bigger rival than your in-state opponent mm. with Michigan, which, which is what Michigan has with Ohio State as compared to Michigan State. Okay, I mean... It's kind of, oh okay actually now that you mentioned those two kind of reminds me do you want to count Iowa Iowa State that's what I was getting at because I I, I wondered because I've been around that rivalry so much mm-hmm. and I wondered is it just me growing up in Iowa for most of my life is that you know influencing my decision or is that a rivalry that's taken seriously nationally because they did get College Game Day this past week mm-hmm. and I wondered is it starting to take shape nationally because. The games aren't very good. I mean, let's be honest. Those games make me embarrassed to be from Iowa. I mean, <laughs> plays well. I mean, the only reason you can say that is because you know Iowa doesn't have a national, doesn't have like an NFL team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what they have. Those two colleges, D one mm-hmm. colleges, who are pretty decent at times. Yeah. So I can I can say it's a pretty good rivalry when you watch the game. The when um, Iowa State lost because they ran into each other. That was pretty. It's pretty hyped. I was like, wow, that's how this is going to end. So, yeah, I think it's a nice rivalry. Definitely top ten. You know, and I, I wondered, I took to Twitter earlier today because I wanted to ask my Iowa friends, which is a bigger rivalry for you? or Which one do you care more about, Iowa State, or does the Iowa-Nebraska game start to rival it, uh, rival it a little bit? It was decisively Iowa State. The voting was like 79% to 21 Okay. So Iowa, Iowa State is a bigger deal for Hawkeye fans. I agree. Definitely. You Nebraska. Know, that's the longer running one. Okay, yeah. Nebraska, whatever. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I, 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 li- I like watching what Cyclones and the Hawks uh, go at it, honestly. so I kind of wish they'd bring back Nebraska, Oklahoma. That was a fun rivalry. I don't think it'll be too much of a rivalry now. <laughs> but, you know, when both teams were good at the same time, then, yeah, we could say yeah. Now I think it's Oklahoma has replaced Nebraska with Texas. Uh-huh. Oklahoma-Texas is fun. That is, oh, yeah, that's going to be good. And, honestly, I was really hoping Texas be LSU, but, because uh, I want to see Texas go into the playoffs. But, I mean, one 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 team, one loss teams usually still get in sometimes. So. If they beat Oklahoma and win the Big 12, I think that could be enough. Exactly. Especially Dep- if they beat them twice in the championship. That's what I'm saying. And if Alabama. Alabama could lose to Auburn. They could. Alabama could lose to Auburn. Um, so if that happens, you you know the college football playoff committee. They love Bama. They're going to keep Bama in there. I don't see Clemson losing. No. No. Not in the ACC, no. No, not at all. So. I can't even think of Clemson's biggest rival there. Like, people hype up the matchup with Syracuse because it's been close the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how far Clemson football has come. You play them within one score, and it's suddenly a revenge game. Base, if, okay, if Syracuse actually won one of those games, then <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I see why people hype it up. I, I, I get excited to watch that one. I tell you what, for our Wisconsin listeners... Their biggest rival is Minnesota, maybe? It's been lopsided, although Minnesota did win last year. It was like their first win over Wisconsin since 93. Mm-hmm. But I can't really think of a bigger rival for Wisconsin. It's starting to have been Iowa the last few years because it's usually one of those two teams that plays in the Big Ten Championship. Right. Um, it, Penn State? Yeah, maybe. Penn State, maybe okay. Nitty Lions. That's, a, that's, a, that's usually a pretty good matchup. 
Um, James Franklin knows what he's doing over there with the Lions. So I'm not. Yeah, I'll go with a, a Wisconsin um, Penn State matchup. I like that. How about Notre Dame USC? Where does that one rank for you? Ooh, for me that's top five. But again, I'm not okay. an unbiased party. Okay, that's all right. Now, when you when you okay when you play them now, when you're gonna play them now, I believe Notre Dame's gonna win. Right. Like, like I don't I don't really see USC coming with a fight. So mm-hmm. back then, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's back a good then, rivalry. It's been lopsided for each side over the last two decades or so. Mm-hmm. Like the Pete Carroll era, USC dominated since Brian Kelly's been at Notre Dame, and USC's had a revolving door of Lane Kiffin and mm-hmm. Orgeron for like five games. Clay Helton, Steve Sarkeesian. Now it's yeah, been all Notre Dame. Yeah, because Brian Kelly's not leaving anytime soon. No, he's not. He's doing too well. He's not. He's not his brother. He's not gonna. <laughs> he's not gonna go to the NFL, have a, a great first year because it was a new system, and come back and look horrible. He's gonna stay where he's at and keep on winning, even though people doubt Notre Dame because <laughs> you know sometimes they don't play people. You can say the same thing about Bama. Right. Say the same thing about Bama. So. Well, Notre Dame's got Georgia this weekend, so that's the schedule won't be an issue this year. That's going to be an interesting one. That'll if, be a toughie. If Notre Dame wins that one, that could prove they're Boy. finally legit. I'm just hoping they hang around. I'm hoping that they prove they at least belong <laughs> on that stage, but Man, just not another Clemson game. Oh, Kirby is good. He definitely has something for you guys. But Brian Kelly got a little something under his sleeve. It's you know, going to be good. You know what's another rivalry that's really lost its luster the last few years is Cal-Stanford. Back in the day, that was the game. Oh, but now Cal and Stanford, they're like, they play at like, what, 1025 at night? I'm not staying. <laughs> I'll stay up to watch maybe a tad bit, but it's not really that fun anymore. You know what's weird is Stanford is a better team this excuse me, Cal's a better team this year than Stanford is. I know. I was I was like, huh? Golden Bears doing what? Alright. I mean, sure. Stanford used to be they used to be ranked they always used to be ranked um mm-hmm. the past three years. What they they've always had like arguably the best running backs in the country. Yep. Bryce Love, um, Christian McCaffrey, stuff yep. like that. Used to Toby Gearhart. It, <laughs> I forgot about Hit Toby. Andrew Luck back in the day? Yo, Toby came into the NFL. And he got super huge out of nowhere. I was like, you're not the Stanford back I remember. Oh, man. Yeah, you're right. And now, I don't even know who their running back is. No, me neither. Like, it doesn't, I can't even think of it. Wow. Okay. He's not very good, whoever he is. He's not Bryce Love. No, 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 no. Bryce Love is sadly hurt right now. Mm. But, you know. He's on the uh, he's on the Washington Redskins too. Yep. That running back committee <laughs> is just <laughs> filling the paid right now. Oh man. Cal has a better team than Stanford. It's amazing where that Stanford program has fallen. Mm-hmm. Week six last year, because Notre Dame played them week six. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame was seven, Stanford was eight. Like less than a year ago from now, they were a top ten team. Exactly. And now they're coming off back to back blowouts by USC and their backup quarterback and UCF. <sighs> Okay, you, listen, UCF is the self-proclaimed national champ. You can't mess with them. Oh, man. I'm not surprised they won. I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I, listen, being from Florida, I got to go with something. I love Miami, but they're not doing too hot. So I might as well hop on the, the Knights train real, for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, how about basketball rivalries? Getting away from football a little bit. I mean, the obvious one that comes to mind is Duke, Duke Carolina. Duke. <laughs> I mean, does anything top thinking. that rivalry? Right now? No. I don't think so. No, you thinking of one? I'm trying. Do you think, um, I'm trying to think of a Villanova rivalry. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, Actually, maybe maybe you want to go back to the Kevin Ware day, Louisville, mm. Michigan. There you go. There we hello. Hey, they're going to renew that rivalry this year. I know. I can't wait for that game. Oh man, and I love I love college basketball. Isn't that great? It goes by. It kind of goes by fast, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how people want it nowadays. They want the quick stuff. They want the high, they want the highlights from a whole game, basically. Um, what's another one? Yeah, I'm thinking of the best basketball programs. And a lot of the basketball conferences have just one top-tier team. Actually, I think I got one for you. Okay. Um, Harvard-Yale. 
Harvard. Yeah. yeah, listen, the Ivy League teams, they're actually pretty good at basketball. So that that is usually a, a decent one, actually, when you think about it. That's a good um, college one as well. College football, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, actually, now that I think about it. It's, oh, it's always either Harvard, Yale, or Princeton who gets the Ivy League's automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Exactly. It's one of those three. It's, one of them is going to get in. I don't know what is going to happen this year, but usually that, that game is pretty intense. I would think there are a lot of rivalries in the ACC because it is the best basketball conference, mm-hmm. but really none jump out at me like Duke Carolina does. But besides that, I mean... Duke Syracuse, maybe? Uh, Bayheim against Coach K is compelling. When Syracuse was really good. Yeah, uh, when they weren't sanctioned. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe... What's a good Wisconsin one right now, right? actually? Because yeah. Wisconsin's a good team. They are a good team. That's why I'm trying to wonder. What's a good Wisconsin one? Um, nothing really comes to my mind right now, which is crazy. There's not a lot of interconference rivalries at college basketball like Mm-mm. there are with football. Like, who's Kansas's rival? Who challenges them in the Big 12? Mm, I mean, I, I, honestly, they'd be losing out of nowhere for some reason, and mm-hmm. I, I can't. I'm not going to call that a rivalry, right? So, like, I don't really know how to give them one, which is very sad. I don't know how they just be losing out of nowhere, man. I mean, but, other than last year, they perennially win the the uh, the conference regular season championship, right? And almost every year, Iowa State somehow wins the Big Twelve tournament. But even so, they're not rivals. No, I wouldn't call that as a rivalry at no. all. A game that we can remember that all the time. Um, who did Villanova beat the, um, uh, what was it, three years ago to win the championship with that? Carolina. That, was it Carolina? Mm-hmm. You like that one? It, it's okay. I mean, we, we could call that a rivalry, we can't could. we? We could call that one. <laughs> that three in the last second was pretty shocking. All right, I'm going to go with that one as a rivalry. Villanova-Georgetown? I mean, that one's not as good Ge- as it used to be. No, but Georgetown, but... Uh, if we're gonna have to, if we're gonna try and fit, find the real, the best ones, I mean, we might have to go with that one as well. Yeah, I went deep to the Ivy Leagues. Come on, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> These ones are tough. Basketball rivalries are tough. That's why I can't. Oh, uh, if I oh, actually, now I'm thinking one. This is a women's one. Mm. UConn, Mississippi State. I thought you were gonna UConn, Notre Dame. I do like that one as well because <laughs> you know you know those two French. Oh my goodness! In women basketball, they are insane, insane. Notre so, Dame, yeah. Baylor. It's another one of women's basketball. I forgot Baylor. Okay, yeah. Who won the championship this past year? Baylor. It was, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that Baylor beat Notre Dame in the championship this year. UConn wasn't even there, which is very (laughs) surprising. People are surprised about that one. Because Notre Dame beat them. Exactly. UConn usually was, they were on like a, a was it a thousand game? Some type of win streak with their head coach. I don't know. It was something. 90 something. 90 something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thousands. Definitely off. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I like that one. I tell you what, you can almost predict the final four in women's basketball is going to be UConn, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Mississippi State. Basically. Yeah. That's got to have those four. Oh, man. They're good. Tanner Hoops, Tyree Smith with you. We are coming up against our next break. We'll say goodbye to Tyree a little bit early because I've got some audio from the WCHA teleconference earlier today I want to play for you. Appreciate you being here, my man. What are you working on over at ABC 10? Oh, man. So, <laughs> got to go cover a few tennis games. You already know. <laughs> Love a little tennis. Um, This Friday, we got our third Friday Night Frenzy of the mm-hmm. semester fourth week of high school football always excited about that and um then you always got the classic abc 10 fantasy <laughs> with tanner in it and tanner's definitely in it as well so we got some good things going on over in abc 10 good things coming up if tyree and myself squaring off in fantasy this weekend that will be a subject next week yeah oh man michael's gonna have to stop us there <laughs> uh, let's take a time out when we come back wcha audio next on ESPNUP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of the show today, you can get caught up on demand. Get our free app from the Apple App Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along as we turn our attention to the ice. We got a little hockey talk here in mid-September. Earlier today was the WCHA Coaches Teleconference, the Western Collegiate Hockey Association had their annual teleconference, released their media poll, their preseason all-conference team, and we got some quotes from both Grant Petoni 
and the head of officiating for the conference. There's some interesting stuff in there, some audio I'm going to play for you. We might go just a little bit over time today. I'm sorry to our Will Kane listeners, but I tell you what, there's going to be some good audio here if you care about Northern Michigan hockey. But first, let's take a look at the preseason polls, both the media and the coaches poll. We'll start in the media where Minnesota State is picked unanimously, by the way, to repeat as conference champions this year. They got all 10 first place votes, followed by Bowling Green, Northern Michigan coming in third, Michigan Tech, and Bemidji State round out the top five in that order. Again, this is the WCHA preseason media poll. It is Minnesota State predicted to repeat unanimously. They got all first place votes, followed by Bowling Green, Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, and Bemidji State. Rounding out the conference standings, Lake Superior State, Ferris State, Alaska Fairbanks, Alabama Huntsville, and then Alaska Anchorage. The coaches poll looks a little bit different, though. Keep in mind, coaches can't vote for their own team. So they have the nine other coaches voting where they believe every team is going to finish in the conference this year, but they can't vote for their own team. You get points based on what you finish according to each coach's ballot. Minnesota State got all but one first place vote. And the one first place vote, that was Mike Hastings, head coach of Minnesota State, because again, you can't vote for your own team. Bowling Green is number two. Bemidji State makes the jump from fifth to third when going from the media to the coaches poll. Bemidji State picked to finish third in the coaches poll. Then you have Northern followed by Michigan Tech rounding out the top five. Lake State, Fairbanks, Ferris State, Alabama Huntsville, and then Anchorage round out the top ten. The conference all preseason team, Mark Michaelis, senior forward from Minnesota State, is predicted to be player of the year, the rookie of the year. Minnesota State forward Nathan Smith. Then the starting lineup for the all-WCHA preseason team. This again, according to the media, the forwards are McCollis, aforementioned out of Minnesota State, Parker Toomey, his teammate with the Mavericks, and Brandon Cruz, a junior forward from Bowling Green. The defenseman, Philip Ballou from Northern Michigan on the blue line, along with Alex Rauhauser from Bowling Green. The goaltender, Dryden McKay, sophomore at Minnesota State. Others receiving votes? A couple guys from Tech. You have Matt Jeruzic, goaltender up there, and Brian Hellinen. So that is a look at the preseason polls and all-conference teams. Grant Petoni, head coach of Northern Michigan, took some time as he enters his third year, gave his thoughts on a variety of subjects, beginning with his expectations for this season. Obviously, we have lots of holes to replace. Um, you know, we have... Uh, all league players, players of the year, goalies of the year that have moved on. Uh, four senior defensemen are uh, our first line up front and a starting goaltender. So um, lots of new faces and, and um, lots of opportunity. Looking forward to um, you know seeing what some guys can do with some uh, increased roles and increased ice time. Uh, we'll be very young. We have 16 freshmen and sophomores, but... Um, the energy that, uh, that then the youthfulness sometimes is a breath of fresh air for a program. So I'm um, excited about the season. When asked about how he's going to fill some of those holes left from last year's starting lineup, Petoni had this to say. I think you can go back even further to the, the senior class, the, uh, the year that I had the opportunity to get the job. And, um, you know, I think Coach Kyle had, had did an amazing job uh, recruiting good people. And uh, Zach Time and Tony and Robbie Payne and uh, Jordan Klimek and um, Philip Starsinski and, and some of those guys, you know, they, they set the temperature for the room and, um, you know, they, they jumped in at, with the new coaching staff and, um, you know, maybe new systems and a different way to play the game than they've been used to with, with both feet. And, um, that made the transition uh, as a coach much easier. Um, and I think last year, you know, we, we had uh, we had our struggles. You know, there, there was uh, times at the beginning of the year that, um, you know, we were uh, in a position where we were having a hard time scoring. And, um, you know, I, I give that group a, a ton of credit because the expectations were high on them. Uh, it was a situation that maybe they'd not been in before where they're, I think there's always internal pressure from, um, you know, from your, your, your teammates and coaches to, to perform and execute and play well. But there was, you know, for the first time, I think a lot of those guys felt some external pressure. Um, and not starting out the year the way that they would have hoped. You know, teams like that can, can go one or two ways. And, um, you know, I think the leadership group that uh, of Denver Pierce and, um, you know, Rockwood and Loggins and, uh, you know, that whole senior class um, did a great job, you know, kind of writing the ship. And, um, you know, we had a chance to have for the first time in, in, in our program since I've had an opportunity to be the coach. We have a captain that's returning. 
Uh, Phil Ballou was, was a captain last year, and this year he'll be the captain. So, you know, hopefully he can take some lessons he learned last year through some of those trying times and, and use those this year in a positive manner. There'll be a lot of new faces on the Northern Hockey roster this year, but not all of them are going to be fresh-faced incoming freshmen. The Wildcats hit the transfer portal hard this offseason. Coach Patoni spoke about some of the newcomers. You know, when I was hired here, I, there we had lost some players that were recruited that um, that I felt were would have been good players to to our uh, to help our program, and, and they they chose to go elsewhere. You know, at that time of the year, it's it's very challenging to um, to find players that are available that um, you would you know you're making a four year investment in them. So um, what we kind of did in in uh, as a staff, we decided to kind of save some of that money for. Um, you know, the opportunity to recruit, you know, incoming freshmen or to uh, find some guys that maybe you'd watched when they were in junior hockey that were going elsewhere that uh, you thought were good players. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work where they were. Um, you know, a couple of those guys uh, are, are going to be eligible at Christmas. Um, they're going to be very good players. Um, A.J. Vanderbeck's uh, one of those players. He, uh, in his, his two years of junior hockey, almost scored 100 goals. Um, you know, he's a, a gifted player. Uh, we'll remind a lot of the people uh, around Marquette of Robbie Payne. Uh, Brandon Schultz is another player, and, and A.J. was a transfer from Ohio State, and Brandon Schultz from Northeastern. Uh, Brandon is uh, a little bit like Locker, um, you know, a talented guy that um, has a ton of energy, a little bit undersized, but um, you know, it, you're going to notice when he's on the rink something's going to happen. Uh, and then at Christmas, we're adding James Miller, who um, was the defenseman of the year in the, the BCHL last year. I think James had uh, 60-some points in, in 50-some games. And, um, you know, he's got, uh, he'll, he'll, he's got the, the ability to create offense off the rush in the half court. Uh, he, he's got a great shot. So he's long. He's athletic. So he, he's going to be an addition for us. And, uh, and then going forward, um, David Kiefer is, is a Michigan State transfer who is not eligible this year, but uh, will be able to join our program uh, and compete with us next year. So uh, those are the players. And uh, we, we, we also added a transfer, um, Connor Rickman, a goaltender from, um, from Stevens Point at the Division Three level in 33 games. He was, uh, he's never lost a game. So um, to be determined how that will transfer into the Division One level. But, um, you know, anytime there's an opportunity to get better and add to your program, um, it's something that we're always going to take the opportunity to do. When asked who can be somebody who can step up and take on a leadership role, increase his presence in the locker room this year, Coach picked out Griffin Lockren, said that he is a big step forward to take this year, and he expects him to do so nicely. Yeah, you know, he's. Um, I think that was a big progression for him. And, and if you look back to his career in junior hockey, um, you know, when the playoffs started and he was in Fargo, uh, he played right on the edge, and you know that's where we need Griff. We need him on the edge, and um, you know because he's an emotional player, uh, sometimes he ends up going over the edge. And uh, when he when he put that stretch together in junior hockey, he ended up being the MVP of the Clark Cup playoffs and uh, the back half of the year last year for us. Um, that doesn't mean that he's not competitive and um, physical and, and in, inside everybody's shorts, but um, he he can push it up to the line. Um, he's going to be a very important player offensively for us, and um, you know there's a responsibility to be on the rink. So uh, that that'll be the progression for Griff. Uh, he looks great. Um, he, you know he's he's a he's a great. Um, he's got great vision. He can make plays. He can score goals. Um, you know, and, and I think you saw him last year. He spent more time on the icing in the penalty box, and, and that's what we need out of him. Again, I know we're going just a little over time today. I apologize. Bear with me. There's some audio I want you to hear from Greg Shepard, the head of officiating for the WCHA. He had some interesting notes on how the conference will be officiated this year. Take a listen. Uh, This year, as far as rules go, it is a non-rule change year, so there isn't really a lot of big rule changes, but the NCAA has been uh, looking at video replay. Uh, There's been a lot of talk from the coaches and and the uh, faculty that it's taking too long for the officials to uh, look at plays, uh, talk to coaches, and to um, make a decision. So since it's not a rule change here, they cannot really kind of go into it, but they have worked on two areas uh, of the rule book. Too many players on the ice that results in a goal or offsides 
that results in a goal has to be a coach's challenge this season. The officials cannot go in and look at it on their own. So again, too many players that results in a goal, offsides that results in a goal, has to be a coach's challenge for the officials to look at it. So if a coach would use their timeout in the first period and they would try to question something like this in the third, they're kind of out of luck because they do not have a timeout to uh, to have the referee look at it. Now let's chew on that for a second because there's a lot to digest there. If you watch the NFL, you hear that every scoring play is reviewed. They go to the booth. A coach does not need to instigate a challenge. Well, this is kind of the opposite of it. The WCHA is being the anti-NFL in this sense. Meaning, if you want to review under those two particular set of circumstances, an offsides play that results in a goal, or too many men on the ice that results in a goal, that has to come from a coach's challenge, which can only happen if he still has his timeout. If he doesn't, the refs are powerless to go back and review it on their own. Now you might say, why is the conference doing that? Don't you want to get as many calls correct as possible? I mean, this is a goal. I mean, this could decide the entire outcome of the game. Well, the thought process behind it is we want to speed the game up. They're taking the baseball approach to it. They want to avoid lengthy reviews. Now, Shepard had one other interesting piece that's not really a policy change. It's policy that hadn't necessarily been enforced to the best of its ability. What we do is when, when, when we have a review, we go in and tell the, tell the announcer to announce the plays under review, and we're, you know, we're looking at a kick-in goal, uh, a major penalty, and when we come out, we tell them, no goal, puck was kicked in. Now, they're supposed to announce it, and we've had problems with some of our arenas announcing it, and it's going to be really put on them to do it because um, we talked about it a week ago. We had a meeting in Chicago with the Big Ten and the WCHA officials, a joint uh, meeting with all our officials, and this was one of the things that we tried to pound in our officials' head that they have to make sure they tell the announcer, and the announcer does announce it for the media and for the people in the rink so they know what's going on. So, you know what, they don't kind of look dumbfounded. What's going on? Uh, what was it? Why wasn't it a goal, or why did that player get thrown out? So that was being that's being addressed. So to recap, it is on the public address announcer to be able to relay to the fans and to the media why a call is being reviewed and what the ruling is. So I tell you what, that is it for us today. I know it went a little over. I appreciate you bearing with me. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place. But if you miss me until then, I'll be on Local 3 tonight talking football with Jake Durant, 7.30. I hope you join me there and then back here tomorrow for the Sports Pen. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP.